Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 1978's Skateboard Whiz is not a skateboard movie. It's a skateboard episode of a television show. It's the eighth episode from the third season of TV's Wonder Woman, which starred Linda Carter as the amazing Amazon. And we're going a little off format to discuss that this week. Since it's a DC Comics property, I thought I'd bring in to chat with us about this, a DC Comics expert. I love comic books, but full disclosure, I was more of a Marvel kid. So we have... Kevin Eldridge joining us from the Flopcast. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. Yes, I was indeed a huge uh, DC Comics reader as a kid. So uh, yeah, completely obsessed with Wonder Woman back in the day. Excellent. Fantastic. Before we get into this, Kevin, could you give us a little bit of background about the Wonder Woman TV show? Like where it came from, where it fits into the ferment of comic book properties on the screen? Yeah, because, I mean, the, the show just got crazier as it went along. And we're in the, the very later, you know, season three of it was around for three seasons, more or less. So this was a latter day Wonder Woman series that we're looking at where it was just completely nuts at this point. So, I mean, Wonder Woman as a character goes back to the early 1940s, you know, born out of the World War II era and uh, didn't get on TV until the 1970s there's some interesting fits and starts along the way uh very strange uh, <laughs> uh, uh episodes uh leading to finally the, the linda carter series which started in 1975 and um jump networks so when the series started it was a period piece they set it in world war ii just like when Wonder Woman originally started in the comic books. So season one is set in World War II and very much looks, you know, action adventure superhero show, but set in the war. They jumped to a different network for season two. And part of that involved the new network did not want to spend all the money on costumes and cars and sets and making everything look like World War II. So they were told, We'll pick it up, but you've got to make it set in modern day. So season two and three set in the 1970s. It was completely silly in that, okay, well, Wonder Woman is, you know, a supernatural superhero character, a goddess, if you will, you know, practically immortal. So, okay, she can be the same character and still look exactly the same. But then you had Steve Trevor because the, the male lead back in the war in World War II, she worked with Steve Trevor for the military. So for the modern version for seasons two and three, she was working with his son, Steve Trevor Jr., who just happened to look exactly like actor Lionel Wagner, who played the original Steve Trevor. Kind of like how in Thunderbirds Are Go, it's set in the future and they all watch a concert by Cliff Richard Jr. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I got to be honest with you. I didn't know any of that. I think that's fascinating. <laughs> I, 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 
had no idea that the show was originally set in World War II times. It's like, I'm learning just as much as our audience right now. That was incredible. I had no clue about any of that. One weird bit of Wonder Woman trivia that I do know, and I know, Kevin, I know, Kevin, that you know this, but I'm sure Michael doesn't, is Wonder Woman's first television appearance. (laughs) Yes. Was on the Brady Bunch cartoon series. Really? Yep. That was like before Super Friends. That was before like any kind of animated show. That was before this. Like the first time Wonder Woman appeared on TV was on the Brady Bunch cartoon show. Yeah, the series was called the Yeah, it was called the Brady Kids. That was a filmation produced Brady Bunch cartoon series, which which ran while the Brady Bunch was still the the live action show was still in production. So this was around like nineteen seventy three or so. 72 maybe something like that and yeah there's just people wanted more brady bunch <laughs> we needed a lot more brady's we need them animated and filmation was kind of using it to do backdoor pilots within the series so they said hey let's do an episode with superman which they did let's do an episode with wonder woman which they did and that was actually yeah the first wonder woman tv appearance was on the brady kids which is just crazy now, Kevin, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but it's it's something I've always kind of wondered. Do you think that the Wonder Woman television show in the 70s came about because of like renewed interest in the character because they threw on the cover of the first issue of Ms. Magazine? That was I'll bet that had a hand in it. Sure. Because, yeah, that was that was a big deal when uh when wonder woman the, the real wonder woman in the classic costume was on the cover of ms magazine because in the comics wonder woman didn't even look like that at that point in, in the early 70s late 60s early 70s they kind of rebooted the wonder woman comic book and they took her superpowers away and they took they took the costume away and she uh, the people were comics fans refer to this as the diana rig era because she just looked like diana rig from the avengers and she was just kind of kung fu fighting and she she had a a, a martial arts kind of mentor character teaching her and you know it was the early 70s and that was it was the hippie era and that was the times and that no more of these old-fashioned superhero stuff so here's the new wonder woman and it was this weird experiment and yeah then um ms magazine came out with classic wonder woman and that was i think a, a major factor in bringing about the real Wonder Woman. And that's what we got, you know, that they eventually restored her to having superpowers and having the costume in the comics. And then, you know, the Brady kids was just kind of a weird fluke, but they did the super friends not long after that. And she was a regular in the super friends, of course. So that was all kind of leading up to the TV series. There there was a weird, uh, there's a, a pilot, TV movie version pre Linda Carter, they made a Wonder Woman TV movie starring Kathy Lee Crosby, who was later later one of the hosts of That's Incredible in the 80s. She played Wonder Woman and the costume was completely different and she's blonde. So it was a totally crazy different version. The Linda Carter version, of course, which is what we're discussing today. That's the one that worked. You know, I watched this episode and on one hand, it's a very goofy example of late 70s adventure television aimed at kids but the one thing i think it really had going for it is linda carter is great yeah this is goofy 70s action adventure and and i love that stuff I, you know 70s 80s action adventure tv it's ridiculous and I, I just revel in how ridiculous it is but yeah that said 
Linda carried this show. She's, you can't take her eyes, your eyes off of her. I mean, she's a stunning, beautiful woman, of course. But beyond that, the way she played the role with a wink, you know, with that smile and just such a absolutely engaging screen presence. And, and she looked, I, I, I know it sounds stupid to say she looked great, but yeah, she looked great. And in, in the role as the superhero, she looked great which was very unusual for the time. And I've had this discussion with people and that, you know, superheroes looked goofy on TV all through the 20th century, <laughs> essentially, with very few exceptions. I mean, going back to the, the, you know, George Reeves on TV in the 50s and Adam West on TV in the 60s, and that everybody looked goofy. You know, look at Spider-Man on TV in the 70s and, and right on down the line and the exceptions. And I think there are really only three. The exceptions, the ones that worked were Christopher Reeve, Helen Slater as Supergirl and Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. And it was a combination of the costume was great and they put the exact right person in that costume. Yeah, I was really impressed with her. I, I really liked that. I was not impressed that the first scene takes place during the day and then the characters walk across the parking lot and suddenly it's night, <laughs> which <laughs> was. Yeah. I, I noticed a few uh, weird light changing day, night time shifts. Hey man, but we're, we're on a schedule. We got, we got to get this done regardless of. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I had never seen the, uh, you know, an entire episode of the wonder woman series at all. And I watched it and, it, I had a really good time watching it. It's, I think it's exactly like you said that she definitely plays the character with almost like that, not like an ironic awareness of how ridiculous it is, but at least like she looks like she's having a good time doing it. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things about those sort of action adventure seventies programs is that they, they all, they don't make any bones about what their limitations are. It's like we, we we're on a filming schedule, you know, no, no, if you can see the wires when somebody flies, you can just see them. I, you know, like, like, <laughs> like our stars aren't necessarily superheroes and we've got a shooting schedule. So put on the tights guys and we'll just get this done. And I, I feel like Wonder Woman is a, is, is has so far been my favorite example of that, where she at least looks like a goddamn superhero. That's for sure. <laughs> and the sound effects will cover everything else. Yes. <laughs> yep. I will say the plot of this episode was almost as convoluted as Chinatown or LA confidential in terms of trying to follow what's going on where there's a villainous casino magnet who's trying to drive people out of this beach town so he can build underground casinos simultaneously. <laughs> there's a young girl who's a skateboard whiz as in the title. And she also has a photographic memory and she kind of gets roped into some degenerate gambler scheme. There's a, there's a lot of, a, a lot of things going on in this episode, not a linear story really at all. <laughs> I actually recognize the name of the writer. This was, was written by Alan Brenner and he actually wrote comic books back then as well. He, not a ton of comics, but he has some, uh, a lot of DC comics credits from the seventies and eighties. So yeah, it has kind of a crazy comic booky sort of pacing to it. Yeah, I I really liked uh, Donaldson, the main villain, the main mustachioed villain, who kind of wanders around <laughs> with seven buttons unbuttoned, and has a weird, <laughs> implacable, vaguely European accent. 
and just sort of makes like menacing proclamations like, well, perhaps Diana should meet with an accident. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and his headphones like, wow, you're really, you're really nailing this, uh, this bad guy aesthetic here. Like, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean by that. <laughs> Dwayne the Gambler kind of disappears halfway through the episode. And really, if there's anyone I wanted to see Wonder Woman sort of pick up and throw into a dunk tank or something. It was that guy where he's like this, the whole subplot about him roping uh, young Jamie, the, the skateboard whiz into counting cards for him at the casino. So he can gamble more is creepy. <laughs> one of the yeah, creepiest yeah. things I've oh, ever seen. They went full creepy with putting the girl in the dress yep. and she's standing there. Oh, you could pass for 23 now. And the strap is slipping off her shoulder. And yeah, it was very uncomfortable to watch, which is why I really wanted to see this, this guy get his comeuppance. And we, the audience were not, afforded that that must have been cut out for time or something because yeah because he's, he's sort of the, the goofy comic relief villain of the villains and so now we're just going to cut back to the serious uh scarier mob type villains right we remain in this case we remain uncome up <laughs> <laughs> i do like that to get into the illegal uh underground gambling ring there's a secret door that is operated from a broken down video game machine yeah, that's, that's some fantastic. That's fantastic storytelling right there. My life in general does not have enough secret doors in it. I when I was a little kid, I thought I was going to encounter a lot more secret doors and like oh, fire yeah. poles behind grandfather clocks and secret staircases. And and frankly, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm at, at 46. I have I've never encountered any of those. I need a creepy gambler to put me in a slinky dress and take me out to count cards one night. That old chestnut. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you're up several thousand dollars you, you take one little break and he lost it all yeah. that was completely crazy like she steps away from the table i mean the whole point was to bring this girl in to count cards for him so he could make his money and he's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna push all my chips in while she's not at the table so i can lose everything one gets the sense that his inability to keep it cool is what got him in an underground casino behind a, a video game uh, in the first place. So yeah, Kevin, did you, did you notice that the, the sort of the skateboarding element of this TV show uh, plot wise was very similar to another movie from 1978 called skateboard that we watched? <laughs> I, I did notice that. And this is actually a skateboarding tidbit that I saw when, when reading about this episode is that the skateboarding stunts were done by Ellen O'Neill uh, who was in the movie Skateboard. Perfect synergy. I did find the skateboarding plot to be very loosely connected to everything else in the episode. Yeah. It, yeah, all, yeah. Seemed like, it all seemed like an excuse to get Diana in that fantastic skateboarding oh. outfit at the end. Well, I think, it, you know, we've seen it a, a bunch of times now throughout the, the course of this podcast where, you know, in 1978 and then later on in 1986 or 87, skateboarding was popular and visually exciting enough that if you could get us you know a, a little bit of skateboarding in your tv show or movie you went for it because like you know it's the same reason scott Bayo ended up his character was a skateboarder in foxes is that it's you know it's it's visually exciting you could have a chase scene or 
you know, a couple of cheap stunts, and then you've got this very, you know, modern feeling element to your, to your, uh, to your production. And that's why it felt very much like that was the case with this episode. It was like Wonder Woman on a skateboard. Everybody wants to see it. Make it happen. <laughs> I do have to point out to the listeners that Diana spins around to turn into Wonder Woman and then spins around again to turn into Wonder Woman with skateboarding gear on, kind of sort of like a modified version of her costume. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Which pads I love. and helmets. You got to have pads and helmets, guys. I mean, this is, a, as, as a fan of the series and of Wonder Woman, it was always so exciting when there would be some alternate version of the Wonder Woman costume. And yeah, generally it would happen through the double spin like that. You spin to the regular costume, then you spin again for the custom version. Well, that's just good writing. <laughs> that's just... It, it's, it's wonderful. This was the only episode with the skateboarding costume. So it's really special, this yeah. one, because this is, this is the one time that we get this fantastic Wonder Woman with, yeah, the helmet and the elbow pads and the gloves it was just wonderful. Um, other variants over the series was that she had a motorcycle suit, which was like a shiny blue bodysuit and a helmet. And then that was also, or at least very similar to her swimming costume. There's a version for doing a underwater swimming scenes, which I think you actually see in the opening credits, uh, season three. There's a quick glimpse of her in her uh, blue bodysuit for swimming scenes as well. And that, that one she used, oh, at least a couple of times. Sure. Uh, back in the first season, I don't know if she did it in the second or third season, but season one, at least for formal occasions, if she had to meet with government officials during the war, if it was going to be a formal event, it would be the full Wonder Woman costume, but with a cape. That little couplet that you just said for formal occasions. Yep. <laughs> that was fantastic. <laughs> that is that that is riveting podcasting, guys. I love that. Red, white, and blue cape she'd break out if she had to meet with like a general or something to discuss how the war's going. I love I love the idea of a situation where Wonder Woman is like trying to figure out if somebody's important enough that yeah. she needs to put it. She's like, I don't know. It's like I, it's Sir Paul McCartney. So and I mean, he wasn't the Beatles. So I but, the, you know, he's also a rock star. Is this pre or post knighthood? Well, I, as I you know what it's as I said that I realized that that only happened like in like what, like 1982 or something. Right. Is that is that correct? I don't know when Paul McCartney was. <laughs> Was Kevin, I thought you were a guy who knew things, and here we I are. I thought I had done all my preparation for this episode, <laughs> and I completely forgot to check on when Paul McCartney was knighted. Come on, guys. I, I cover the skateboarding <laughs> stuff. I mean, it's 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 falling apart. <laughs> it was great, though, because it was the cape. Like, like regular costume, she was still half naked, but with a cape. Yeah, you gotta have, you gotta have the cape for formal occasions. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, I loved this skateboarding costume, though. That was very exciting, and Anytime you'd see an alternate version and it's just so silly and crazy and the way they kind of speed up the film oh yeah as she's zipping down the road it's a it's fantastic i i it's funny as we're as we're doing this podcast i'm starting to realize i think the only thing that i knew before watching this episode of wonder woman about wonder woman was wonder woman and that's it like that's just nope. just that i don't think <laughs> i never <laughs> i knew nothing about it that, that's good stuff and they discoed <laughs> up the theme song for the third season right yeah 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 they, they tweaked the theme song for uh each season so yeah and they were definitely going very much disco i mean there were there are episodes with disco music in them there, there are at least one or two episodes are set at discos so there's plenty of good 
disco stuff. There's an episode with Leif Garrett playing twins. There's two of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Leif Garrett? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is the proper plural form, yes. <laughs> I, I did wonder while watching this, because this is an example of the, uh, the skateboarding scenes where Wonder Woman's skateboarding, where it is a very obviously a stunt person. Yeah, but I, but I was also wondering. I, you know, I'm watching a pristine copy of this episode on HBO Max. It looked gorgeous. It looked like it was shot yesterday, and I was thinking maybe in 1978 on an old cathode ray television set, it wasn't as noticeable. That this is a stunt person. Yes, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. It's you, you know you see it in glorious uh, HD, and you're like, oh, that's that's a, a seven foot tall dude riding that skateboard <laughs> like that. like how motown would record their artists and then play them back on transistor radio so they could you know hear how the the kids would actually be listening to the songs <laughs> right how it sounds on the street they would be like oh well this this plays fine because no one has a 1080p television set with hbo max wonder woman was a very stunt heavy show obviously so many action sequences and wonder woman running around with their superpowers and whatnot and leaping around so yeah there was a lot of stunt work and she had a regular stunt woman or two and yeah if you look you can see when it's a stunt person um but that yeah for the time i certainly never noticed when i was a kid watching this on a little grainy 1970s tv set nobody noticed i liked her really big jumps in this episode yeah and the, the jumps a, a lot of those they if she was jumping from the ground up to some height they would do it by reversing the shot like the stunt woman would start up on the window or up on top of the bridge or whatever and jump down facing backwards and then they would just run the film in reverse which you see in this episode when she goes to put out the fire, she jumps up to that window. The film is reversed and it's real quick. It lasts for like a second, but the smoke coming out of the window is going into the window. The smoke is going in ah. reverse in that shot. It's, it's hysterical if you watch for it. What kind of magical fire is this? <laughs> I, I like the idea that there was no such thing as we'll fix it in post it's just like good enough oh yeah they next they, scene i love that this is certainly the pre-cgi universe where they could they could not direct which way the smoke was gonna go so if we run the film backwards that smoke's going right back in that window but you know it's one second again on your little grainy 1970s tv no one's gonna notice so this was so this was seventy eight, and I guess uh, the Hulk show was out around the same time, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I think those those were the two big kind of primetime comic book shows, and the Chris Reeves Superman followed like shortly thereafter. I think like, that was also seventy eight. Yep, yep. Oh yeah. So this was all happening, and even Spider Man had a live action show at the same time. So it was a lot going on with uh, live action superheroes in the late seventies. I only knew the Spider-Man show as kind of packaged TV movies that would air on channel 56. That's yep. okay. That's what I remember. That would be like, they would show it on Saturday afternoon. It was like a two hour episode of a TV show. <laughs> and actually the, the girl in this episode uh, who played Jamie, that actress looked familiar to me. And when we looked her up, she was on another live action superhero show of the seventies. She did an episode of Shazam a couple of years before this. And I remember her Shazam episode. And um, so Shazam and, and Electra woman and Dinah girl kind of predate this, right? By a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. That was mid mid seventies, Saturday morning, live action stuff. 
Do you remember a magazine called Comic Scene? Yeah. I remember I would get that magazine and in the back there was a feature that listed like almost every comic book's book property and where it was in terms of if there was going to be a TV show or a movie and everything it was in development. And I was initially very excited. And after a few years, I realized none of these were ever going to see the light of day. But now it's like I'm living in that back section of comic scene magazine. All of this stuff gets greenlit. I never in my wildest dreams thought there would be multiple Ant-Man movies. I mean, it's just everything's on the table these days. You know, when I was a kid, it was inconceivable that you could have this much superhero programming and I, I, i've said it on on stage at conventions doing panels and stuff uh, once or twice I've, I've doing panels about all the superhero tv shows that we have today i've said if uh somebody had approached me when i was 13 years old and said hey how many members of justice league detroit do you think we'll see on primetime tv someday <laughs> then they lean in and whisper all of them <laughs> That's just, how can that be? But that's the world we live in now. And it's all pretty good to a certain degree, right? I mean, can we? Yeah, the the quality is, I mean, I'm grading on a curve, but compared to what we were dealing with back in the 70s, we had the Hulk, we had Wonder Woman, and it was not great, but it was all we had. And so we loved it. Now the quality is so much better to the point where, I find myself like, oh, I've got to watch season six of The Flash, really? But <laughs> it, it, it it can get to be kind of a chore to keep up with all this stuff. And yet I feel like I owe it to 11-year-old me who could not conceive of a world where we had all this stuff. And so I keep watching it all. You know, it's it's funny. That, that sort of dovetails into my relationship with skateboarding in that – there was a, you know, when I was a little kid, you, there was five skate videos that you could ever see. So you watched them a thousand times and you learned every trick and every sequence and every, you know, and now in the internet age, there's so much footage being put out every single day. And there are times where I, it, it feels like a little bit of a chore, but I'm the same exact way. I'm like, I would have been starving for this kind of content when I was, you know, when I was 13 or 14 and, and it, it, with skateboarding, it's interesting because you're seeing, I think every single couple of months, the bar just keep getting, get, keeps getting raised as to like what's possible. So you, I really am just like a comic fan sitting there with like popcorn, just going like, what the fuck are these guys going to do next? And so I, I, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like I'm drowning in footage, but I'm just like, <laughs> I need to absorb it all. So the, the skateboard, the skateboard, competition scene in this wonder woman episode and i'm someone that i know nothing about everything i know about skateboarding i've learned from this podcast <laughs> literally and so i'm I'm really clueless going into this and the, the skateboarding competition i mean that it looked amazing to me just seeing everything that girl was doing and riding the two boards at the same time and doing the handstands and flipping around and so does that stuff look very quaint to modern eyes given what they do in skateboarding today yeah a lot of the a lot of the handstand and double board stuff all fell sort of under the realm of of what what, what you'd call freestyle skateboarding which was sort of the first it, you know it was like that was a very popular thing uh because you know all you really needed was flat ground and a skateboard and so while you know skateboarding and swimming pools and at 
certain uh, high schools that had embankments in Southern California was obviously the most exciting kind of skateboarding. Most of America could relate to the flat ground stuff. And slowly that would evolve into um, sort of the, the bedrock of what we know today now is street skateboarding. But at the time, it, it looks dated now, but at the time that was exactly what was going on. It was a lot of spinning. Almost a lot of those guys, if you, you could look at some of the old footage, and they, they're almost dancing on skateboards. And it can be a little difficult to watch because it's like whoa, <laughs> you know, there's all this potential for all these amazing tricks that were, you know, developed a little later on. But at this point, these guys were really just sort of making it up as they went. And, and skateboarding was almost, the skateboard and that stuff was almost like a prop. Um, but it, but it's it's fun because it's still, that's part of the sort of the 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 growth and the, and the lore of skateboarding. It's like, can you believe there was a time where these guys were like, actually like almost like doing like synchronized dance moves on skateboards and it's like well at the time there it, there it was the wild frontier there was you know nobody had really written the rules yet and so it, you i will say this you wouldn't have seen a lot of that stuff even just a couple of years later but it, it's 78 that was that was right <laughs> right where it was at you know it's funny uh, you know we've covered the z boys on many different occasions in this podcast, uh, you know, in this podcast history, but I will say that, 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 that is one thing that, that, that's told over and over again. And the story of the Z boys, that is absolutely true is once those dudes showed up and started kind of doing their thing, that handstand pirouette kind of double board action stuff seemed very cute and would, would, and would kind of fall by the wayside really quickly at that point, after that point. Well, I can only hope that Marvel Comics brings their badass 90s skateboarding superhero, Night Thrasher, <laughs> to a screen near you soon. Is is that a real thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? I, I did not know that. Yeah, I was trying to think if there was a, a skateboarding superhero. So Marvel had one. Marvel had one in the 90s during that kind of, uh, you know, everything sort of covered with pouches and badass. Yeah. Uh, there was a yeah. character named Night Thrasher who skateboarded at night. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I've never heard of that. That Cause I, I know they had uh, dazzler was the roller skating disco roller skating superhero at Marvel. And there was a skate man character who was a roller skating, like vigilante as well. Not from Marvel or DC. That was an independent comic considered one of the worst comics of the eighties. <laughs> skate man. Skate man. Dazzler, at least, I feel they they periodically bring back. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Dazzler's around. Dazzler's had a shelf life. Like she's yes, absolutely. Well, a disco roller skating superhero. That's <laughs> side me up. It's timeless. It's timeless. <laughs> I'm ready for the series. Let's let's green light this. <laughs> well, gang, I feel like we've gotten to the bottom of skateboard whiz and wonder woman kevin thank you so much for joining us yeah thanks so much for uh for for coming by man oh an absolute honor to uh be here on gleaming the tube because seriously i've been a listener from day one i love just silly movie talk like this and i, I love the hook that you have you you have the the elevator pitch the hook of here's what this show is about because <laughs> uh, what, what you guys are doing here is uh it's just so uh fun and it's something special awesome well thank you so much man i appreciate it
Yeah, thank you. And if you want to talk about your podcast, oh yeah, where people can find it. You know what? I do a podcast also. Uh, my show is called The Flopcast. And it's just a silly, goofy, ridiculous, uh, nerdy show. We do it every week. It's uh, a lot of 70s and 80s pop culture, nostalgia kind of talk, as well as just lots of other silliness. Uh, We're part of the ESO network. And yeah, we've been doing this for almost 10 years now. Every week we are closing in on episode 500 in just a few weeks. We really have a problem. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, yeah, I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of your podcast as well. Oh, it's very nice to hear. And actually, uh, Kevin has uh, guested on our show uh, a couple of times this year. Yeah, it was on very recently. This is sort of like when uh, McLean Stevenson would show up on Different Strokes and then Phil Drummond would go over on Hello, Larry. This is like a uh, comic book crossover event happening right now between our two podcasts. This is very exciting flash of two worlds (laughs) (laughs) oh and mike and i have another podcast we do where we are going where we are going through every episode of the 80s detective series moonlighting with our friend liam who is slowly discovering that he hates moonlighting called let's get chatty (laughs) about david and maddie um and we're about three episodes into that and uh so far it is a thing that we do it's 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 quality quality programming. All right, I think that's the show. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at gleamingthetube and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Attention, people of Earth! Looking for a way to kill half an hour every week? Try the Flopcast! It's a silly podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and chickens. Join us! Bring coffee! We're on the ESO network, and we're at Flopcast.net. 